Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to the latest episode of Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today, I've got Alan Lucas from Zuko Analytics. Welcome to the podcast, Alan. Hi, uh, Mike. Yes, thank, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege. Great to have you on. So, I, I mean, before we start, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit about your career. You know, looking at your LinkedIn, you've done everything from working in venture capital to, you know, a long time ago, teaching English. So, um how did you end up at a company that does form analytics? Uh, well, it's an interesting one because I, I like to see it at least kind of it, it, it's bringing all the strands of my previous experience together because I worked for many years in, in advertising, marketing, media um, in both London and Manchester. And then I uh, kind of decided to transition from that as you do when you get into your mid to late 30s. Uh, so via an MBA and a little stint at Google, um, I moved into venture capital, investing in digital and creative companies around the northwest of England. And from there, it, I kind of decided I wanted to get my teeth into something a little bit more. So I, I moved into uh, tech companies in, in uh, the Manchester area. So I was working for a couple of those. And then the opportunity came up to run Zuko which obviously with it being a MarTech company um, suited me. So it brought together the tech, the, the investment and, and the marketing piece that I'd done before. So it was kind of perfect for me uh, at the right time as well. So uh, it made sense to, to hop in and, uh, and uh, give it a go. And it seems like Manchester's got quite a lot of uh, marketing and marketing technology um, businesses sort of popping up. Is, is that the case? Yeah, it's definitely the case. Tech, tech is, is booming here. Um, obviously, tech's big in London, but in Manchester, we've got a lot of universities. So there's a lot of talent that comes out, uh, a lot of company, bigger companies that are, are basing here, because obviously some of the costs are a bit cheaper than, than London. I mean, this is pre-pandemic now, obviously. <laughs> uh, a lot of people working remotely anyway, so it, it doesn't matter quite so much. But um, but yeah, certainly there's, there's a thriving tech scene here. That's cool. It's good to hear there's... Uh... There's a lot going on outside of London. Indeed. <laughs> so you, you joined Z- um, Zuko, but uh, previously the company was called Formissimo. Um, so why the rebrand from a, a name that kind of said a little bit about what you did to something that was more abstract? Uh, it's, it's it's kind of a funny one. And, and a lot of this is kind of predates myself. But, but in terms of the story, obviously, we were founded as Formissimo to, to you know, we, we look and optimize forms. Uh, on websites, so Formissimo kind of does what it says on the tin. Uh, we created a second generation product, um, which was aimed at the enterprise market. And so we were running the Formissimo product and the second product, which we christened Zuko, so Zuko by Formissimo. But then I think it quickly became apparent that Zuko is so superior in every way than the original product. So why are we limiting it just to enterprise clients? So Zuko then became available to uh, all our clients, and we slowly deprecated the Formissimo uh, platform. So it kind of came partially by accident, partially by design. I think th- there were issues around with the name in terms of spelling, pronunciation, um, people not finding it when they were searching for it. So there was issues there. So the, the the team decided to go for something short, simple, memorable, Zuko. 
it's 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 hard to mispronounce mispronounce now obviously there's a debate to be had i know is that the best way to represent our brand in terms of you know what does zuko do uh also there's a there's an anime character called zuko which kind of messes with our seo as well but we kind of are where we are at the moment we're not gonna we, we you know the company still is for missimo to hmrc uh and to to the accountants and to to, to the, the lawyers but we decided, okay, rather than try and say Zuko by Formissimo, let's just be Zuko to to our, our customers. Just keep it simple. And so that convoluted story is kind of what we are where we are, as, as many companies kind of find themselves. <laughs> well, it's, it's certainly uh, easier to spell. I, I would say that, and it's great to hear. It's great to hear a story of you. You know, you build a second product, and it was actually so good it killed the first one. And, and for a company to have the confidence to let that happen, I think is is really good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's kind of um, the, the, the way it evolved. I guess it, it didn't start that way, but, you know, rather than having two sets of tech support and, you know, two sets of instructions, stick with one. Awesome. So, I mean, and let's get into it. So you do analytics about forms. What does that mean? What, what does that actually do for people? So sort of our goal essentially is to, to make the web less frustrating uh, one form, one form at a time. Um, so, Formissimo was founded because of frustration with online forms. I think we've all been to web forms and had a horrible experience. You know, you know, error messages, crashes, uh, unclear instructions, particularly when you're using mobile phones. Uh, so, there's a lot of potential to get it wrong. So, Zuko's say mission was based on that how can we make things better for businesses for consumers um ourselves so so the form analytics platform was built uh, obviously for missimo which became zuko uh just to make it easy for businesses to, to identify the, the when the where and the why their users are, are dropping off um so these, these are people who want to buy from you but because of a crappy form they're not buying so actually, if you can if you can solve that, it's better for businesses, it's better for consumers, it's better for everyone. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. So the, the analytics pieces is the data around that. So as I said, the when, the where, and the why. Okay, identifying where the problems are, what the problems might be, um, and then uh, providing potential solutions to fix it. That's interesting. I mean, it sounds very broad. Although you mentioned that you know mobile is a particular problem. Is there a an industry that that suffers most from the problem of people dropping off halfway through a form fill, or, um, you know, what pulls together the companies that have the biggest issues? Well, I mean, I suppose it's, it's any any company in any sector can have an issue um, because obviously you can have a bad form. But in terms of ourselves, you know, there's, there's kind of three factors that, that drive the, the, whether people can get value out of Zuko. One is the complexity of the form. So if you just got a contact form with three fields, well, you can still mess that up, but it's probably pretty easy to diagnose. Um, whereas if you've got a long, complicated form with 40 questions over three or four pages, well, there's more opportunity to mess things up. So obviously, the more questions, the more complex the questions, the more likely you are to need a, a product like Zuko. The next two are around the economics. So firstly, the, the cost of customer acquisition, how... Uh, how expensive is it for you to acquire a customer and also the customer lifetime value? You know, how valuable are they? Uh, because obviously that determines if you invest time in optimizing your forms, you're going to get a much better return on investment. So obviously 
if you if you're selling <clears throat> Ferraris, uh, whatever they go for now, so hundred grand, and <laughs> you obviously you, you, your potential lifetime value is is, is higher than a, than a smaller product. Um, so they tend to be uh, our, our our clients tend to, to fall uh, have a combination of those those three factors. Uh, ideally all three um, so it's probably no surprise to, to to know that basically our biggest customer sector uh, by a reasonable chalk is is financial services you know they you know credit cards banks insurance foreign exchange they're asking you know complex questions sometimes because they have to uh, because of regulations sometimes because they they just do when they shouldn't um so they're, they're, they're messing things up but obviously they've also got a high customer to lifetime value so say so they're, they're our biggest sector but we also have you know every sector to be honest but you know other big clusters are around e-commerce you know the checkout getting that right um education surprisingly uh, Actually, it's because they have complex forms. They ask lots of questions. So a lot of universities uh, across the world use us. Um, then online gaming, which is one that you, you might be surprised on, because actually a lot of their forms are relatively simple, unless there's a regulatory aspect to it. But they tend to be sort of really up on uh, returns because they, you know, they know how valuable each player is. So they'll invest in getting it right because, you know, even a half percent improvement can mean a lot of money to some of these guys. That's, that, that's really interesting. So, I, I mean, I think the thing everyone's taught, you know, when they first do online forms is the shorter the better. And you mentioned that obviously some industries have to ask more questions, but some industries choose to. Is it actually true, the shorter the better, or can sometimes a longer form work better? Well, yes and no. Uh, I guess the the... the, the the question depends. What you've got to think about is the motivation. Uh, so I'll give you an example. So we have, uh, and it's on our website, we benchmark across number number of sectors. And I think the best performing conversion rate for any sector is local government. But they have the largest number of fields on their forms. So you're like, what's going on there? But actually, it's more the motivation because they are... Um, they have a monopoly on, on the, their services. So people slot mm -hmm. through these forms and complete it and they have really high completion rates. Um, so it, it's kind of, it's not an absolute rule. You shouldn't really be answer, asking things that you don't necessarily need at this stage, but it's not, it's not always the killer that you think it might be. Um, you've just got, you've got to be careful. So just, you know, typically we advise, okay, what, what do you need now? Don't be afraid to, to ask it because sometimes and again, it varies by sector and form purpose. Some some forms, if you don't ask a question, then actually people get nervous. Um, you know, particularly in finance, you know, you might they may you may have to ask qualifying questions. But and if it's just too simple, the form, then people are like, well, hang on a sec, you know, you know, are you serious here? Uh, but in general, in general, yes, strip out any fields you don't need but it's not an absolute. I mean, that's interesting. So what causes people to stop filling out a form? I mean, it's obviously not just boredom and, and the number of fields. I mean, are there, are there some things that you, you can make mistakes on um, that are relatively easy to fix? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, this, the, 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 there's a lower level things which we might get into talking about, but there's probably sort of three high level areas where people go wrong. 
um, or businesses go wrong uh, and mess things up. The, the first one, uh, uh, probably the most common and the, and the most visible, the most frustrating is user issues, so user experience issues. Um, this is frustration with the form itself. So you may have bad validation. The classic example is phone number. You put a phone number field in there. Do I put the zero? Do I put the plus four four? Do I mm-hmm. spaces, dashes? No, what happens? And you know, you're causing issues for that you don't need to cause. That's that's the classic example, but there's there's hundreds of different ways of doing it, you know, bad error messages, taking people all over the thing. So it's, that's the form design itself. Um, so that that's area one. The second area is around is around the questions. Um, so not so much in terms of the length that we talked about previously, but actually asking things people don't want to answer at this stage. So an example being if you're looking for an insurance quote, so you're, you're doing your shopping around for insurance, what you find is if, if and, and this is a, an exception to the normal rules with forms where you do easy questions first and bring in slowly get people into the mm-hmm. form. But if, you're, if you've got an insurance form, you don't want to be asking for their personal details up front. You want to go in, take the broad details, you know, what type of car, you know, what type of home insurance do you want so they can get the quote. Um, and they don't want to give you the personal details. If you ask for the personal details early, you'll see a big abandonment rate, which isn't the case in other types of forms mm-hmm. because people have started on the journey. So it's questions they don't want to answer. And that's the class, just a classic example. Sometimes you're asking for the other example I always give for this is e-commerce. E-commerce sites often ask for a phone number. Why are you asking for my phone number? You know, you have my address. You have all my credit card details. You've got my email if there's a problem. I'm not going to give you my phone number. You see people drop off that, that all the time. So, but that, that falls within their category. And then kind of the third area is around the area of expectation mani- management. So, which is about the form taking too long. Someone thinks it's a short form and before you know it, there's no progress bar and you know, how long more or more long is this going to take? And, and they drop out or you're asking for things they don't have to, to hand, a driver's license, a passport, well, you never told me I needed this. So, you you know, if you're not managing expectations up front, that's one of the broader reasons why why people drop out, uh, if that makes sense. I, I mean, that's interesting. I, I guess from a cynical point of view, I could say, well, can't people find this out simply by A-B testing forms? Isn't it a fairly simple thing? Because a lot of these things are, if you like, negotiable or they're order things, you know, they're fairly easy to test. What, why don't people do that through conventional form tools? Well, I, th- I think it's, you know, th- th- there's a broader question there about experimentation and A-B testing. Um, I-, I think the issue often with, with with businesses and forms is you think it should be simple, so therefore it's simple. That they spend a lot of time around the broad, the sexier stuff, you know, the, the website, you know, the marketing to get people to the website. And then, you know, when it comes to the sharp end, they don't spend nearly as much time, money, resource, attention. It's just like, well, how difficult is it to fill out a form? And as I say, typically that's not the, you know, the guys in the marketing department, that's not particularly sexy for them. Um, often, you know, the, they may they may not even be a single individual who's responsible for the form. It might have fallen between the web guys, the IT guys, uh, marketing, digital, depending on how the company's structured. So that that's kind of often why people don't do it. But, you know, to go back to your question, A-B testing, absolutely, that's something you can and, and should do. I mean, the way we tend to, to advise clients is the first thing is is find out the big issues. So look at the data, see the things, just fix it. You know, you say, 
there's a massive drop off in this field. You know why it's broken. You can you can change that. Or I mean, you, you can A/B test it if, if you want to as well. But once you've fixed all the big things, it's okay. Where's where's the the next one percent coming from? And that's where you do your A/B test and refine. Maybe if we change the error message or the validation on a particular field or drop a question or, or change the order that's where you can do that and, and Zuko uh, integrates with with a lot of A-B testing tools like Google Optimize, Optimizely Convert to allow you to do that on a granular level so rather than it just being a black box so knowing how many people reach your form and how many people drop out at the bottom which is what a lot of companies know it's actually what is happening in the form how are people flowing through your form where are they struggling where are they having to go back to make corrections that sort of thing and you can you can get the data and also push it uh, pull your a b test variants into a tool such as zuko that's that's really interesting and presumably you're giving you're giving marketers you know extra information like how long it takes to fill out each field is, is that the kind of information that they're mm -hmm. using and working out what slows someone down yeah exactly so yeah that's um whether people go back to correct it whether they drop off at a particular piece what happens after the submit button you know because that's often one piece of, of, of advice um that we often give is okay what happens you're low-hanging fruit are the people who've spent a lot of time filling out your form and then they click submit and they've still not successfully completed what's happened there most likely they'll be mm -hmm. bombarded with red a load of error messages and go ah I'm running away from this. <laughs> uh, so you can find out exactly what's gone on, which are the problem fields, those sort of things that you can fix it so they don't have that issue. Interesting. That's really cool. So, I mean, I think the thing everyone wants to know is if you use a tool like Zuko um, and you really optimize your form, I mean, what sort of improvement do people see typically? Well, at the risk of doing the old it depends answer, um, <laughs> it, it does depend on how bad your form is in the first place. Um, so, you know, we have doubled uh, conversion rates in some cases uh, from 30 to 60 percent. But typically we aim for a 10 to 20 percent uplift in the volume of conversions at the same traffic levels. Um, that's what we will typically aim for as, a, as a, you know, a reasonable case scenario. Sometimes the form's really good and it might be a little lower. Sometimes it's, you know, there's some obvious issues that you can fix and, and, and get a better return. So, but if we say between 10 and 20%, that's kind of where we pitch and where our goal tends to be when we, we when a new client comes on board. So that's a, a significant impact on overall campaign performance. I mean, adding 10% more visitors can be quite expensive. Yeah, exactly. So and it, it's, you know, something you've got control over. Um, you, can, you can do it relatively easily on your form. Uh, you're not having to go out there with a, a marketing message to convince them. No, it sounds, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like a very easy sell. I mean, how many forms do do people who use Zuko typically have? Are they they typically users of, of a large number of forms they're trying to optimize, or are they focused around one that really matters? Um, we we have a, a broad gamut. So we 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 have clients such as Capital One or a credit card form, and they've got you know dozens of them. Um, we've also got. Uh, people who just got the one form, it's an e-commerce checkout. That's the, the be-all handle. So uh, I'd probably say it's a roughly 50-50 between people who are one, maybe two forms, and then mm -hmm. people who've got a portfolio of forms that they want to do. Often people will try it on one and then roll it out across uh, other forms. Interesting. And typically, what are people using to generate this form? Are you having to integrate to other marketing technology tools, or is it more custom-coded um, applications? How mm -hmm. 
how do, how do your customers normally work? Uh, most of the time, they've built the form themselves with, with HTML using standard form elements. Uh, that, that's the majority. There, there are some that have off-the-shelf uh, pieces like WordPress or HubSpot, or you know, we have direct integrations with, with suppliers like JobForm, um, because if, mm-hmm. if you take the form and put it in an iframe, then we need to have an integration. But most of the time, it works straight out of the box. You just put a couple of pieces of code on your on your form using a tag manager or whatever, and, and, and Zuko does the rest. Sounds, sounds really straightforward. You mentioned earlier that there were some more in-depth technical issues rather than the form structure issues that can cause problems. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what are maybe some of those second level gotchas. So then, well, that's kind of the the, the, the details, as it were, the, the, the devils in the details. And uh, I suppose a slight plug here: we do have a lot of content on our website, um, you know, a, a full you know ebook guide, which breaks down loads loads of those. Um, so you know, th- th- there's lots of things about how do you optimize an email field or a you know, name field or, or you know the, the common stuff which we, we can go there. Um, but I suppose in, in terms of actually, I suppose I'll, I'll flip it slightly. Uh, I, I'll, I'll talk about what we see as having the biggest impact, typically, um, because there's, there's lots of lots of potential issues, and, you, and you, can, you can see that in our ebook. But in terms of what we see as uh, the biggest inputs, so there's probably two things. Um, one thing which I mentioned earlier, so I won't dwell too much, is, is focusing around the submit button, looking at the data around what happens for these guys who just want to buy and they can't. So, you know, we have specific reports that show you, okay, they're clicking submit and then they, they're migrating immediately to this field. Um, so actually, if you if you look at that, that's where you get your quickest insights and you find your, your problem fields quickest. So that's sort of one one area but then i suppose the second area is around uh, validation so when i say validation that's when someone enters an input and then you check whether it's an error message or, or to generate an error message or if it's okay or what have you um, the biggest uplift we consistently see on forms is when they implement what's called inline validation and what that essentially is when you uh, type in your answer to a form you get the answer whether the input is correct as soon as you move to the next field. So you, you put in your email address and you miss out the at. Tells you straight away. Doesn't wait till you click submit and then you get 10 or 20 error messages across the whole form. You know, that's that's a big cortisol stress driver and causes people to drop out. So yeah, if, if you, we see, you know, 20, you know, there's, there's a famous study that it, was, it showed about 22% uplift from implementing uh, inline validation on average. Um, and we, we kind of see that as well when we see it. It's, it's, it's such a big thing. If you think about when you fill out a form, so much less stressful. Like you, you, you type it out. You obviously, you don't want to generate the error messages too soon. If you do it too early, people, you know, gets frustrating because you, know, you, you just started typing and you get an error message. Like, well, but when you move on to the next field, okay, you, you've, you've done that. And then, and then you get, you either get told in a helpful way, helpful error message. Okay. You know, you've missed out the app. You probably want to add that in uh, or you get a nice green tick. Oh, it's done. Yeah. That's, that's the thing more than any, any other that consistently delivers gains across all types of forms. That, that's such great advice. And I think everybody's, you know, filled in a form and then got an error message, you know, half a page or a couple of scrolls back up. 
Um, there's an obvious error, an obvious typo. It, it's so frustrating to have to go back to the top, find out where the error is, and then scroll down and submit again. So uh, I can understand why that makes such a difference. Yeah, no, no absolutely. So um, one of the things you, you talked about earlier was the fact that, that Zuko initially started out as being a product designed for enterprise and now is your effectively your, your main product. So um, I, I'm just intrigued to know, you know, how expensive is it to get this kind of technology that's that's watching people filling in forms and actually analyzes where they they have issues? Yeah. Um, so it, we, I say we, we've structured it so it, it's accessible at all, all price points. Um, so the way we charge is around the number of form sessions trapped. So that's an individual going into a form, however long they spend on the form. Um, so it's based on that. So it's based on how much traffic you essentially get to your form. Uh, so our, our, our lowest level package is, is £100 a month to track uh, 10,000 form sessions. Uh, and, and all our subscription packages you can turn off and on um on a monthly basis so you have full flexibility of, 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 of when you do it we obviously we do have enterprise packages still which you know have a longer commitment but obviously have a a much lower unit price for, for each session track because in return for the for the volume commitment but I say it's it's flexible and it's it's affordable for for businesses of any size or at least that's what it's designed to be yeah and, and you obviously don't need a huge lifetime customer value to you know, have a ten percent increase in form fills if you're you're only paying a hundred pounds for ten thousand form sessions. That sounds like that could be an easy positive ROI. Yeah, well, that's amazing. No, no, definitely. I mean, the main the main the main thing is always is the will, the internal will to do something with the, the data. That's the, always the tricky bit with any with any analytics product. Is like you find what's wrong, then you've got to fix it, and then you've got to prove that you fix it's, it's had an impact. Um, so it's not you know it's not difficult, but as we know with with companies often. You know, you've got to get your request into whoever's looking after the form technically and change it and spend a little bit of time analyzing the data. But we do have a customer success team as well who, you know, all they do is look at forms. So they see the common, common, you know, strains of issues and, and can kind of get to the answer uh, quickly. Yeah, you said something really quite interesting early on that, that there doesn't tend to be someone who's responsible for forms. And yet... Forms are typically the conversion point, the moment of truth as to when you capture a, a customer or a prospect. I mean, why do you think forms, I think, as you put it, were, were unsexy compared to other elements of marketing? Well, I think it's partially, you know, it's, it, it's partially legacy of the offline world. You know, who likes forms? <laughs> we, we, in the old days when you got a piece of paper I think we're both old enough to remember you got a you know, piece of paper to fill out in triplicate and photocopy and you had to fill out I mean it's just horrible isn't it and that's kind of translated that approach is translated to the, the online world and no one really wants it or cares it's just you know because in theory it should be easy you're filling out a piece of paper with your details so I think you know the, there's there's not many of us who really get into forms um, you know the people in conversion rate optimization and experimentation who kind of love forms uh, or they, you know, they use it as part of their broader portfolio sell. But generally, if you're, you know, if you go to all the marketing courses in the universities or where online or wherever, no one talks about forms. You know, it's, it's a very direct response type piece, which, mm -hmm. you know, again, some people are into, but to get, I mean, at the higher levels of any company getting marketing, at the top table is often difficult, let alone a niche of marketing, uh, even though it affects your bottom line, you know, hugely.
So I think it's kind of it's kind of just it's never never managed to get it put its head above the parapet as a, as a nice, interesting, sexy thing for people to go into. I mean, no one comes out of university saying, "I want to." Do, I just want to do forms. <laughs> Although maybe they should do if they can uh, make such an impact on the bottom line. Perhaps that's, uh, that really should be yeah. the future. Yeah. I remember doing an MBA and uh, our finance lecturer said, he said, you all want to go into management consulting and things. He said, don't do that. There's so many people who are smarter than you in management consulting. You'll be average at best. He said, open a laundrette. You'll be really smart as a laundrette owner. Yeah. And I think it's the same with forms. You know, Do something around forms. You could be really smart and in an area that can make a huge difference. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Uh, and, and that's our goal because say Zuko is the only specialist form analytics player out there. There are sort of broader UX software suites out there that use forms as a bolt on. But because that's all we do, we specialize in having the most in-depth reports and, and obviously you know, the most knowledgeable team in the area. So, uh, you know, that's that's the way we position ourselves. I, I mean, that's been fascinating. Is there anything else, you know, we should be talking about in terms of forms or Zuko? Um, uh, not really, to be honest, I've covered a lot of it. I mean, we, uh, as well as being a SaaS provider, I suppose we also offer consultancy and you know, we, we have our customer success team, which means we help out all, all our, our clients out with the forms, but some, some of them are like, well, just tell us the answer. You know, we want a written report. We want to tell us what to do. So we also kind of, we do offer that as well because it kind of is a ex natural extension of the service for people who have less time to um to, to sort of get to the answer but you know that's not ne that's not necessary because we say we have a customer success team that, that that can help you out so that that's probably the only thing we've not covered to say i i would recommend you go on the website there's lots of lots of content in the blog there's there's a white paper we've just launched on financial forms uh, but we've got a, a big guide with general advice for, for for all forms as well. Um, so even if you just look at those, you'll probably improve your forms just by reading it, uh, um, even without using Zuko. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably all I've got to add to that, really. Great. So if people want to, you know, get the data, I mean, can you just confirm the website address and maybe if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, what would be the best way to yeah. ask you a question about forms? Yeah, so um, uh, www zuko.io um if you want to contact me you can get me on linkedin uh it's alan a-l-u-n lucas um or you can email me alan at zuko.io or you can just email support at zuko.io and one of the team will pick it up if you've got a general question as well so more than happy to to, to, to take questions from anyone who's, who's interested uh, in improving forms as much as we are uh, th that sounds great. And it does sound like some people do come out of university and, and want to be world experts in forms, but it sounds like Zuko's probably snapped them all up already. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for being on the podcast, Alan. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been fascinating. And hopefully people will go away, you know, download the ebook from Zuko.io and, and maybe try using some analytics on their forms and see if they can improve the conversion rate. Yeah, no, that would be great. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.